Welcome to The Exemplar, a podcast dedicated to exploring the thoughts, stories, and events that define our lives. From everyday moments to life-changing experiences, we all have a story to tell. So join us as we explore what it means to learn, grow, and change. For my eighth podcast, I sat down with Matt McCoy. Matt currently serves on the Board of Supervisors in Polk County, Iowa, representing the 5th District. Matt also served in the Iowa House of Representatives and the Iowa Senate. Matt is known for his passion, charisma, and progressive ideals. And it's clear that through his leadership, he's fostered a more welcoming and accepting community, propagating positive change throughout Iowa. Matt is nothing short of a beacon of hope for so many, and I'm proud to call him a friend. As is the theme for every one of these shows, the guest ultimately decides the direction. When he agreed to sit down with me, I was excited for the opportunity, and Matt shared a story that only a few have heard. Today we discuss the subject of addiction and how through the most challenging years of Matt's life, he was able to find peace with himself and inevitably become a more complete person. This story is touching on so many levels and it shines a light on how difficult addiction can be, how it can bring you to your knees and make you question your very existence. More importantly, through Matt's story, we were able to see that many of us live lives of quiet desperation. That behind his public persona, there was a human who struggled with life, self-acceptance, and personal demons. None of us are immune to pain and suffering. While some of us may hide it better than others, it's those of us who accept our flaws and choose to reach out that eventually find inner peace. Matt's story is a beautiful reminder that through pain, we can find peace. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That's a good one. All right, Matt, I appreciate you uh, joining me on this beautiful day. It is a nice day. We're sitting right at the foot of the Capitol. It's a gorgeous day, blue skies, yep, and the yep. sun is shining on our faces. Nice contrast compared to two weeks ago. Absolutely. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on the show. And what is a situation or a moment that had a heavy impact in your life, big or small? You know, I, I, I've thought about this, and I think the one thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, my recovery from alcoholism, because I think that was a big moment in my life for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, it, uh, it was the first time I faced an obstacle that I couldn't overcome through just sheer determination and willpower alone. Uh, yeah. And I had to, in, in fact, face it and kind of turn it over to a higher power, in my case, uh, just, just admitting that I had a problem that I couldn't conquer on my own was my my biggest struggle. And 
so so you know I guess I guess that was a life-changing moment uh, it will be uh, 20 years this uh, no, uh, September 7th Wow uh, so um, it was a it was a life-changing moment because it uh, it also reflected I think uh, where I was with my my life and my marriage and at the time I was struggling in in both uh, my life and in my marriage and uh, coming to terms with my sexual orientation was part of my recovery process because I was using I was using alcohol as a way of coping with uh, my sexual orientation and not being honest with who I was and so I think that changed my life in in so many ways and and they've all been very very positive um obviously i could become a father to my son who at the time was less than two years old he has no memory of me ever drinking so uh, how many how many people get a you know say that um you know so many of the people that i hear around the tables talk about you know the the pain that they inflicted on their children and how they how they struggled with that uh, alcoholism when when their kids were growing up and uh, I was fortunate to have uh, come to terms with my alcoholism before my son you know uh, was was in a stage where he needed a father that that could be engaged and uh, be present for him and everything that that he was doing. So yeah. that was a blessing. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're, it's lucky in the sense that, you know, he didn't have to experience that, but describe to me the, the, the process, cause it's different for everyone. The yeah. process to recovery. So, so my process was, uh, you know, as I indicated, it was, it was just, uh, the admission my, my, uh, earlier attempts to stay sober were, were, pretty successful for like up to uh, 90 days and I could get I could get 90 days just really white knuckling it and not uh, having a support system Um, but what what I came to realize is if I'm ever going to get successful at this and and actually stay sober for a long period of time where I I don't go off the I, you know, I don't go off the wagon and, and go on a bender and then, and then need to, to get sober again, which is just a, it's a defeating process to go through. If you, if you've ever known anybody that, that has struggled with this, it's, it's, uh, I, for me, I knew I needed a program of recovery. I needed people around me. So what I, what I did was I actually uh, checked myself into uh, an outpatient program called Mercy Franklin. Okay. And it's a wonderful program, great people. And uh, I did a alcohol assessment. And of course it came back that, you know, I, I really did have a problem. And, and the way to address it, I knew was just, just by leaning into it and, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, I told them, I want to become a social drinker. I want to be able to drink responsibly, socially, yeah. um, and, and actually have control over it. And what I realized is I, I, I have what is equivalent 
to an allergy to alcohol. So oh, wow. when I when I drink, I you know I drink to excess, and and so the only only way to overcome that is is to just get it completely out of your life, and yeah. and that's what that's what I did, and and it was through that program. And it was through the counseling and the therapy that I did with the program, um, because so many people um, know they have a they have a challenge or they have a problem with it. They just don't know where to get help. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the one of the hardest assignments they gave me was they wanted me to go to an AA meeting and just sit in the back of the room and you know try not to. Try not to talk and, yeah. and just just live through that experience, and so I did. I I went to some inner city meetings where people wouldn't know me. Obviously, I have a recognizable face, um, having been on TV and been been involved in politics locally. So I wanted to just kind of go and just just kind of creep creep around the program. And I started seeing all these people that would come into these rooms with, you know, uh, these amazing stories and uh, all walks of life from, you know, from a, a waitress that uh, worked at a diner to, uh, to, to a guy that looked like he was riding a bike for Hell's Angels to a, a doctor that was in, you know, in recovery. It, it was how do you get around so many um, varied people that you have so much in common with because outside yeah. of those rooms, you have nothing in common, but inside those rooms, you've all faced that same struggle. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I, I came to know that this program of support and recovery was, was the way to stay sober. And I made a commitment to attend a meeting every day for the first 90 days. Wow. And um, and and that's that's kind of how I leaned into the program, and I'm uh, I'm still relying on that program every day because ultimately one of the things we we always tell ourselves is we have only today. Yeah. Uh, and so if I can lay my head down tonight on a pillow and know that I got through the day without drinking or without the need to take a drink, uh, then I've done okay. Yeah. For, for myself. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you, you bring up the trauma part of it because I think there is a, a lot of what gets pushed aside is that the, the trauma that may have caused the addiction or the, the thing that you're running from or hiding from, and, and you kind of touched on that. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, for me, um, I think that uh, I, I was certainly a person that um, was, was not in terms of my... Um, in terms of my sexual orientation, I was not at, at comfortable with it. I was I, I was very uh, opposed to um, I was very opposed to to addressing the issue of my sexual orientation, and uh, I really believe that people were people were on the spectrum, and 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 that uh, you know uh, that it was something that just pure willpower and determination could could allow you to overcome it and you know I I think I got given uh, an opportunity through the recovery process to to really drill down at 
what what was the cause of this and yeah. and um, as I addressed it and as I told my secret and there's a saying that you know we're only as sick as our secrets <laughs> and um, you know and and what it, when I told my secret when I was able to reveal myself to you know a person that I loved and cared about my wife and um, and 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 go through the process with her of grieving you know mourning the loss of our marriage recognizing that things were going to change and then and then how how do we go forward and co-parent this child together and 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 live a life of friendship and yeah. and 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 peace and uh and so for me um dealing with that uh, underlying issue was critical to me getting and staying sober and um i've known so many people that um have tried to tried to get sober without without really drilling down into some of the causes of of what what caused their excessive drinking or their excessive bad behavior whatever it is yeah um and and if if you don't get to those root causes you really can't fully recover you can white knuckle it you can you can get through it and certainly there are people that have done those things but if you want to have a quality of life that's actually closer to self-actualization and closer to knowing who you really truly are, that's what it requires. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think that's really important. I think the underlining theme of a lot of these programs is trying to find some type of self-acceptance. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a book right now called Radical, uh, Radical Self-Acceptance, and yeah. it's uh, it's all about um, it's all about how we learn to need to learn to accept ourselves for who we, we truly are and who we were called to become. And my orientation was not any different than my eye color or my hair color or, you know, uh, any other other aspect of my life that I had no control over. But I, I, it, I was trying to become or make myself into something that I wasn't. And I think that's... Um, I think that's so many people that have um, struggled with coming out uh, have developed these uh, mental health issues or alcohol and drug ad addiction and dependency, um, and it, it manifests itself in so many ways. And so one of the things that I think is really important is that we destigmatize mental health and mental uh uh, checkups, uh, as I say, checkups from the neck up, yeah. uh, those are really key to getting and, and living a quality and authentic life. Um, I think, uh, practicing good mental health habits and seeking mental health professionals when you do have problems. And, uh, even when you're trying to figure things out about, uh, how you want to move forward in the future, uh, having having that sounding board is is a really key thing, and one of the things that I've said is, if we can do more to destigmatize mental health uh, in our in our community, um, we're going to see much healthier families, much healthier uh, evidence of 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 family reunification and uh, commitments to keeping. Um, Keeping our kids healthy—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's a vital part of 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 
good uh, health care. It's a vital part of living well. And um, we put so many dollars into health care, but we have for so long stigmatized mental health. And, yeah. uh, and I think along with that, substance abuse. And, and I, I've heard so many stories about people that have tried to reach out to good mental health programs and substance abuse programs only to find out that, that yes, they qualify with their child, but they can't afford it because their insurance won't pay for it or it won't cover the, the type of inpatient care that's required. And um, really the chemical imbalance in a, in a, in a person that has substance abuse and, and the things that they need to go through medically and health-wise are, are no different than trying to overcome diabetes or come overcome a, a form of cancer or yeah. a, uh, uh, any other um, uh, physical ailments and and so uh, I always I always say that's that's got to be a part of our our mental health platform is making sure that uh, we're doing checkups from the neck up and and that we're destigmatizing it and driving that point home to kids that um, that, um, that that they don't we don't know what kids are going to struggle with in their life and you know we've seen a spike in suicide rates among youth and especially among LGBTQ youth um, and and we know that oftentimes we're not equipping them with the strategies they need to be successful uh, you know being their true authentic self and so getting them to that point and supporting them in that in that endeavor and i know you've done that uh, uh, by supporting uh, matthew shepherd scholarships and i i've seen your uh your company and you personally stand up and uh reach out to kids that were lgbtq and that that makes a huge difference uh for for the next generation because we do have support systems today that are better than when I was younger, and we have made so many, um, so many positive uh, steps towards uh, towards becoming more inclusive and uh, more accepting. Um, but but we also are struggling, and as we sit at the foot of the Capitol, I'm aware of 13 bills that were filed that were considered you know, anti-LGBTQ uh, bills in, in the state of Iowa. So we're continuing to struggle with that issue. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you touched on that because I, I think there, there's an underlining theme through all of this, and it's showing kindness to people who are not like you but still providing support and services for them to be who they are and not have to pressure them. And when you see, and you touched on it too, when you see stuff happen to the Capitol, you may think, they may think, well, this isn't going to, impact me but you're impacting thousands of kids who are going to grow up and have to deal with the ramifications of of what they're doing up there and it's sad right and it's interesting to me that uh this year we saw a 23 percent increase in um attacks against violent attacks against lgt people lg LGBTQ people around yeah. the world, um, but uh, especially here in this country, and we were seeing, you know, we were seeing things that we we thought we left behind 
a decade ago, attacks against people's uh, rights and really getting to the core of who they really truly were and, uh, and just how hurtful and harmful that is. Um, and so when, when you have people in authority that um, ban, you know, transgender people from the military, like, yeah. like President Trump did, that sent a message to Americans everywhere that transgender people shouldn't be able to serve the country. They shouldn't be treated in an accepting and, and, uh, and a meaningful way. Um, that, that, that has an underlying impact. And, and obviously, you know, the bills that, that the kids saw this year, and I think about all the kids that uh, are part of the Safe Schools Coalition, and the bills that they were, you know, rallying against, uh, all had a negative impact on them because yeah. uh, it, it it went to the core of who they are. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially saying you're not good enough. You're not one of us. Right. And we're not going to accept you. Right. And that's that's brutal. And it can lead to, you know, additional trauma that Absolutely. you internalize later on. Absolutely. And, and it, it, it's, it's, you know, I could take you down to youth emergency services and they would tell you 40% of the kids that, that uh, come through the youth emergency services and shelter program uh, are LGBTQ kids that were not accepted at home, 40%. Wow. And, uh, and that, that's about Incidentally, that's about the, the increased suicide risk for LGBTQ kids is about 40%. So, you know, the, the fact that I'm here at my age, having, having endured what I endured coming out publicly uh, as a gay elected official, uh, dealing with my substance abuse, dealing with my alcoholism, uh, still, still managing to, um, you know, be part of my child's life in every way as a co-parent. Um, it, it, it is a testament to, to my sobriety and the community that supported me when I needed it the most. And that uh, loving community is there for everyone uh, that struggles with substance abuse. And um, I just encourage people that, that do struggle with it not to let the stigma of asking for help keep them from getting the help they need to be uh, to be whole, to be who they really truly are, and to not live life um, as a zombie. As like I refer to my drinking years as my zombie years because I really wasn't who I wanted to be. I had numbed myself to become something that that just got through life and I wasn't living life to its fullest. And, and that's, a, that's back to radical self-acceptance is, you know, accepting ourselves for who we truly are and then, and then trying to make the most with the gifts that we've been given. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. I, again, I, I, I don't think we can hit on this enough is that just the coming to terms with your own identity and, and dealing with that. And then I think the rest of it will start to fall into place once you really address that. Absolutely. That's where it's at. Yeah. That's where it's at. So if you had to uh, look back at yourself 10 or 15 years ago, what would you say to yourself? I would say to myself. For 20 years now, yeah. 20 years, I would say to myself, uh, be compassionate for who you truly are because that's really part of uh, the 
self-acceptance and the radical self-acceptance is, is the compassion for accepting ourselves for who we are and giving ourselves the, uh, the credit to be human, to be frail, to be fragile, to, be, uh, to fall short time and time again, but to, to always know that uh, we strive to do the most with what we have and we try to um, be the best, best people we can be. So that compassion, that empathy, for others, but then the compassion for ourselves uh, is what I would I would encourage my if if I could go back to my to my 35 year old self and say uh, be be loving, be compassionate towards yeah. yourself. Yeah, because I find it's it's often hardest to show ourselves kindness. We can show other people kindness, but you know, many of us we white knuckle it just to get through it, and then. And we're our worst, we're our worst critics yeah. always. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the great, you know, the, some of the greatest actors uh, of all time that have been praised and, and, and given high accolades for their, for acting uh, skills uh, will say to themselves, I don't need to read the critics because the, the worst critic in my life is in my head. And yeah. it's, it's myself. And and I think that is I think that is in all of us there there is a critic in all of us and it's it's overcoming that uh, critic you know recognizing they're there acknowledging the critic but then having the compassion for yourself to to move along and and allow that that critic to exit stage right so that you can have the center spotlight again and and do the things that you were called to do with the gifts that you've been given yeah yeah no i love that there's a there's a saying in buddhism that you know eventually you realize that your mind is sometimes you know your own enemy yeah they're the ones that your own mind is not necessarily you either it's it attacks you as much as anything else that's right and 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 as part of that i mean i think that it's the it's the shame Shame is a uh, it's 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 that loss of connectivity in our life. Uh, it's it's fear based. Shame is all fear based. Yeah. But shame is um, shame is a is a powerful uh, obstacle to overcome to get to that acceptance. Yeah. And that's what Buddhism helps 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 people through <laughs> through through lots of yeah. self through lots of self. Uh, meditation and yeah. lots of compassion to get to that that safe place where you can you can be compassionate towards your towards your own frailties exactly just a lot of self-reflection yeah so what would you say to anybody that is is right on that precipice right now where you know they're wrestling with that what would be the first move that they should make i would say the first move that they should make is is just having the courage to uh pick up the phone and reach out to somebody that they know that has also suffered with with the disease because the program works uh, because uh, the people that are in the program feel an obligation to give back to the program to uh, reconnect uh, with other alcoholics who are out there that still suffer or other drug addicts who are out there that still suffer and and so you know that first call for help is always the most important one because 
if if you're able to make that connection and you're able to make that call, I, I guarantee you if if you've reached the right person, there'll be somebody on the other end that will that will help guide you to resources that that will provide the uh, provide the, the the solutions that you're seeking. Yeah. Well, Matt, I appreciate you being so candid well, and sharing your story. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Exemplum, a podcast dedicated to the thoughts, stories, and events that define our lives. Want to find out more information about the show? Check us out on social media at The Exemplum on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at TheExemplum.com. Want to support the show? Subscribe on your preferred platform and share with your friends. And make sure you check back weekly for new episodes. Thanks for tuning in. See you later.